To be an entrepreneur is to be constantly adapting. In a world where the market is ever-changing, it's important to be able to shift, to refocus and rebrand, to always be ready for whatever is coming next. It was completely the opposite of what we expected, and they ended up filing for bankruptcy within 13 months of acquiring us. It was just insane. Navigating through those few years of transitions, it really taught me to always have a plan B. If things don't go how you plan, what's the next step and how are you handling it? That's Eva Pauling, the co-founder and CEO of Richer Poorer, one of the world's most comfortable and sustainable clothing brands. With keywords like that at the heart of your company, it's difficult to imagine a business running into huge obstacles like a failed acquisition, overcomplicated marketing tactics, and a major supply chain stallout. But Richer Poorer has faced and survived all of these things and more. How? Find out on this episode of The Journey. There are always exciting things happening in the world of small business. The news that grabs the headlines, though, are always the highlights. The overnight successes, the billion-dollar IPOs, the massive exits. But just like your Instagram feed, that's never the whole story. Let's look deeper than the headlines and press photos. Underneath all of that is the real work of building something valuable and lasting. Don't get me wrong, I love crazy success stories and can be drawn in by those big flashy tales just as much as the next person. But we all know that what's more important than the destination is how you get there. It's the struggles you have to overcome and the insights you learn along the way that make you who you are. So those are the stories we're telling. It's raw, it's honest, and maybe it's exactly what you need to hear. I'm Hillary Georgie, and this is The Journey. So, anyone who owns a small business knows what the difference between surviving and thriving feels like. And obviously, we all aim to thrive. That's why we're excited about our latest partnership with UPS. Our listeners know that whether you're moving your business online or getting into new markets or just trying to make things run faster and more efficiently, small businesses are up against a unique set of challenges. That's why UPS designed innovative tools just for small businesses that are made to help take you to the next level. Learn more about how UPS can get your small business moving forward at ups.com slash pivot. Eva was used to being a fish out of water. One of her earliest memories was the flight from her native Serbia to Canada when she was just a young child. And despite the new surroundings, Eva quickly found a place she felt at home, fashion. My sister and I were like obsessed with guest clothing and stuff like that as children. And my dad was like, okay, if you can find it at TJ Maxx, you can buy it. While at times Eva thought she might become a lawyer or a teacher, she eventually found herself gravitating back toward fashion. Then following college, she began her job search. I had no idea what I was going to do. I would ideally love to work in fashion. I was a shopaholic child, spent all of my spending money on clothing. I've always been obsessed with clothing. So that was kind of the dream world. I happened to go to high school with Kate Spade's niece, Whitney Posegay, who I'm still in touch with and is this fantastic human who ended up starting her own brand. We weren't really good friends in high school, but I just literally sent her an email right before I had left to go to New York, just asked her if she like had a hiring contact and ended up getting an interview there within like the first days of moving to New York and kind of had a job within the first week. And that kind of put me on my path. What was nice about Kate Spade at that time, this is back in 2003, 
It was still owned by Kate and Andy. It was still, you know, under a hundred people. They had this incredible program for new graduates that you came in and you were a half-time receptionist, which was very stressful for somebody that's never done that and having to manage a hundred phone lines for half the day. And then the other half of the day for your first few months, you kind of jumped around from department to department. I got to sit in on PR and sales and production and design to really understand how the entire business worked and then landed in PR. So I ended up kind of as a PR assistant for a year. Once I got bit by the fashion bug from a career perspective, it didn't really release me. After some time at Kate Spade, Eva felt the need to move on. Her sister was starting her own jewelry brand and Eva offered to help her. I was leaving New York after a year. My husband and I were getting married and we're moving to Oklahoma and then Hawaii at the time because of his commitment with West Point into the military. The weirdest places on earth. So leaving New York City and Kate Spade, my first thought was like, okay, well, how about I figure out how to do PR on my own? So I did it for my sister for six months. She was a brand new brand. It was very exciting and fun. And I did that while we were in Oklahoma. And then once we got to Hawaii, I was like, okay, I have one year of experience as an assistant in a PR closet. Like I should probably go get a job and actually understand how this world works. So I ended up in PR in Hawaii. I found this only little pocket that could service fashion PR in Hawaii with Alamoana, which is this incredible shopping center as a client. So I did that for about a year and a half. So I diverted away from the entrepreneurship route. But Eva found her way back to entrepreneurship when her sister's company took off. They brought me in-house as a full-time employee. I think I was like employee number five there and did that for about four years. Something was pulling at Eva though, a desire to venture out on her own, to build a brand that was hers. I loved it. I helped my sister and my brother-in-law. They run it together. So I was really focused on the brand business development side. I loved building a brand. And even though I was there kind of early on, it didn't feel like mine. Like I just had this kind of itch to go do it myself, build something from scratch. I became friends with my business partner. And he had the idea of starting a men's sock company. I had no interest in the men's space at the time, really. But I was looking at it from the business model perspective. We would step into trade shows in the jewelry space. And there would just be rows and rows of people doing the exact same thing that we were. How do we differentiate in this space? It's such a challenging market. But at the same time, it was a really good business model from the margin structure and kind of the unit economics of jewelry. So Eva and her business partner started selling socks. And there was something about it that just made sense. We really thought that there was an opportunity in the men's sock space, which is the most niche small market. But if we could just design a collection that was a little bit more toned down and really kind of spoke to the consumer where men's fashion and coloring is at that time, because everything in that space at the time was very novelty. It was eggs and ducks on your socks and things like that. There was like, well, why don't we make just cool socks? Our belief was that at a really reasonable price point of like $12, you could still update your wardrobe and get something that was super comfortable and felt great and made you feel like you refreshed something for not a lot of money. I think that that was something that took me a while to actually understand after doing it. Because I actually didn't really need to be convinced. I was really obsessed with the business model. Did this make sense, right? Like I was not paying attention to really like my passion side and was really just focused on like, do the unit economics of this make sense? What does this business look like? For a while, they were focused on building. It was small, but it was working. I don't think for the first like year and a half that we sold, it was all wholesale. So I think that I really just kind of focus on that brand building piece and the business piece and kind of let that drive me and fuel that entrepreneurial spirit. 
Eva had a taste for running her own brand, and soon the brand was growing. It was moving into women's socks and then bras. And in 2017, Richard Poor really started to hit pay dirt. Inventory was selling out, and there were customers on a wait list. And it was at this point when Eva had a choice to make. So it was my business partner and I. He still had a full-time job. I had gone to my sister and brother-in-law and said, listen, this is what I want to do. But my plan is that I'm going to leave in six months, and it's going to be like a slow and steady process. I'm just going to moonlight. And they very much were like, we totally respect what you're doing. We think this is great for you, but that's not going to work. You need to exit the business and go do this full time. So they kind of gave me that swift, kind kick out the door that I needed, which is great because it really lit a fire under me. I don't have a paycheck anymore. I don't have a full time job. I need this to work. After Eva fully committed, things moved very fast. She and her partner had to work quickly to keep up. We had the idea in the end of April, May, and we were in stores by December. We found a manufacturer that we thought created a great product. They were based out of Korea. We had pulled on some resources in the meantime of just kind of contacts and cold calling people and asking them for help. We found a showroom that was willing to come on as a representative for us. So essentially, the way showrooms work in the wholesale environment is that they only make the money on what they sell. It's a very low risk model to start. So we found this group out of Portland that was fantastic. And they took us to market and we launched with probably 30 accounts. Nordstrom's was one of our first accounts, which was the biggest mistake we made. Branding is important, but Eva quickly learned it shouldn't be the most important focus of a new business. The little details that she thought would help the brand stand out were often the cause of additional problems. The Nordstrom account was a great opportunity, but it quickly overwhelmed the team. We were so obsessed with branding and all of it that we were determined that each sock had to have different packaging, which is an impossible thing to do, and a different postcard on the inside of the packaging that the sock was wrapped around, which meant that we had to actually pack the socks ourselves because our factory was like, under no circumstance are we doing this. So for the first six months, we literally packed every single sock by ourselves in our office. There was three of us. But the mistakes taught them a lot, and they were able to pivot. They realized that they could simplify their products and still keep a reasonable amount of specialization without sacrificing their vision. And soon, that vision was taking over the market. We had a really, really soft sock. In sock language, it's called the hand, which is like the feel of it. And so we were always obsessed with it being incredibly soft and something you're really excited to put on. Our language in the beginning was all around kind of stuff that lived at the top of your drawer. And it was like the first thing that you took out when it was clean. And every time that it came clean again, it's at the top of the pile. So those two things about how important branding was and how important product quality is, because especially in this age that we live in now, and this has gone way more true as we've gone on, it's expensive to acquire customers. And so you certainly don't want to pay for them twice. So you better have really great product because that's the only thing that's going to bring them back. The brand quickly acquired a following of loyal customers. We had so much incredible feedback about how much socks were a conversation starter for people, which was such an interesting unintended result of the product that we would have emails of people sending stuff in about how they met their wives on a plane by her commenting on his socks and they sat next to each other and they ended up getting married. Because socks are kind of this easy thing for both other men to comment on and women to comment on for men. Commenting on men's apparel and clothing and accessories and stuff is not as normal as doing so for women. So socks are this low-risk place that you can be like, cool socks. They knew they were on an upward trajectory. 
But they also knew that the only constant in the entrepreneurial world is change. And change was coming for Richard Poorer in ways Eva didn't expect. When Richard Poorer was bought by a Canadian company called Shoe.com, Eva and her team were excited to have the chance to learn how to expand the business under the umbrella of a larger brand. But things didn't exactly work out. Our intention was, let's continue to grow this brand. We had a good exit with selling the business that we were satisfied with and just kind of assume that we would continue to run it and be a part of that ecosystem and then maybe start another brand down the road. But then they ran into tremendous problems from an operational basis on their own. They never ended up helping us in any capacity with the business. Nothing actually changed. It was completely the opposite of what we expected. And they ended up filing for bankruptcy within 13 months of acquiring us. Luckily, by now, Eva and her team were used to having to think on their feet. I mean, navigating through those few years of those transitions, it really taught me to always have a plan B. If things don't go how you plan, what's the next step and how are you handling it? They were able to buy the company back, but they still had a lot to figure out. We really had to come to Jesus as a brand and a business in 2018. Our director sat me down at one point and was like, we have turned into a brand that has a lot of tumors. We are all of these things and we're trying to be all of these things because we see sales opportunities for them rather than just saying no and being very clear as to who we are and what we want to do. It was time for Richard Porter to think fast again. So how did Eva and the company adapt in an ever-shifting market and carve out a name for themselves? Find out after the break. Today's podcast is sponsored by UPS. If you're like a lot of our listeners, you've either taken your business online or you want to make that shift fast. Well, UPS makes it easy to ship and save wherever your e-commerce takes you so you can launch your business into a whole new orbit. Whatever platform you're using to host your online store or track and manage your shipping, UPS is already there. You'll get big savings and reliable shipping that give you a competitive edge and keep your customers happy. You can ship from your online store to your customer's front door faster than ever when you choose UPS. So get started today at ups.com slash pivot. Richard Poor had been through a lot. It had been acquired, watched its buyer go bankrupt, and Eva and her original co-founder bought the company back and rescued it from the brink. That's a story in and of itself, but really, the work had just begun. It was time to take a hard look at the facts. Eva and her team needed to figure out what they wanted the company to become as a brand. That was the most challenging because we were going through this transition and trying to keep the lights on while doing it. Knowing that the customers that we were dealing with at the time we're not going to be the same ones that we're going to respond to the new version of the brand. Being very fearful as to the customers that we had acquired online and those ones that had been with us, are they going to understand this kind of new iteration of the brand? And does it still resonate with them? Or are we going to have to start from scratch? And so when we relaunched the brand in January 20, we were two months in when the pandemic hit. I for sure thought we were out of business. We were only two months into this and we had, at the time, 80% of our business was wholesale. And that came to a screeching halt. Second, third week of March of 2020, I remember sitting in my kitchen and just looking at my husband being like, we're done. There's no way this business can sustain itself. All of our wholesale orders that we have planned are going to be canceled. But there was still hope. Eva gave the brand some time, some room to adjust to the shock of the new world. Eventually, sales numbers started stabilizing. 
and the company found itself in a post-COVID world where comfort was the mainstay. The business ended up growing that year 120%. It was a huge banner year for us. And so last year, we were coming off of that and expecting that 2021 was going to continue to grow in that capacity. In order to stay there, though, Eva and the team knew they needed to be nimble. They decided to make a big change from wholesale to e-commerce. We had to turn that entire thing into just an e-commerce operation, which is very different than a wholesale operation for fulfillment. It took us probably, I would say, two months to really become good at e-commerce because wholesale orders are placed. like That's a natural five to seven days until they ship out type thing. It is not instant customers want this immediately game. We have a really great warehouse director and he kind of just saw what he needed to do. Here is the team that we're flipping over. Here's what they're getting trained to do. Here's how they're going to allocate. Oh, returns are now this whole new world that we've never had to deal with. Here's how we're dealing with returns. And here's what is acceptable. And here's what isn't. We were doing everything just on the fly and just making decisions quickly. I think that that's the best decision points that we could do was just decide quickly. That shift was the right move. I think that the benefit of that time was that all of the rules went out the window for everybody. So it was a great time for us to just test and learn. Let's restructure and try and see if this works. And it was a lot of quarter turns until we really kind of stabilized that ship and were able to fulfill within 24 hours and kind of work with team and execution that we were happy with. Eva has seen firsthand how the world shifts rapidly. And now she and Richard Poor are ready for it. They've thrived in a comfort-based work-from-home world, and they've developed a very loyal following. We're not the first people to create a sweatsuit, but we certainly have a really great fit that fits most people very well. We have great t-shirt quality that when you put on, it just fits better. And so the quality and fit piece is what we're the most obsessed with. The last few years, it's been very much circled around, how do we make this all sustainable now? We as a function are a fashion brand. We cannot be sustainable just because of that. We produce clothing. That is not sustainable to begin with, but we can do it in the best way possible to make it as low impact on the environment. So that's been a huge element of how we're redoing our products. Everything new that we're developing is in a sustainable material. And we're really focused on lounge and comfort. And so we think there's a huge opportunity still, especially with this kind of new world order of that we're all working from home permanently. Even if the majority of companies don't want to admit it, that that's kind of the long-term play. That's the reality of the world that we're living in. And we believe that customers want to be comfortable. I don't think that the world of wearing uncomfortable things, specifically as a female, of uncomfortable bras and uncomfortable shirts and jeans that have no stretch and all of these things. Well, we may kind of dabble in those here and there from a trend perspective because it's fun. We want to be the brand that people always come back to that know that when they want to be feeling their best and most comfortable and doing the things that they love, they're doing it in richer poorer. While Eva is feeling satisfied with the success of richer poorer, she acknowledges that the world of entrepreneurship is always going to be full of curveballs. But she knows that her team is used to adapting and they will continue to overcome no matter what else comes their way. You will hit peaks and valleys all the time. It is never ending. You think you're in the clear, you're not. You think that things are going to go horribly, they don't. Really just being able to enjoy the process and the people you're doing it with on a day-to-day basis is the most important to me. The Journey is created by Mission.org and sponsored by UPS. To learn more about the show or mission, visit mission.org. 
And to learn more about how UPS can help your business, visit ups.com slash pivot.